walking through the difference between the world's way of handling emotions and God's way. So the world tells you that your feelings are of paramount importance and that you need to let your feelings dictate uh, what you deem to be true. Whereas God's way says, no, this is truth, so let the truth dictate your emotions and your feelings. And so we've been seeing how uh, whenever we live God's way, we have the rock-solid foundation of his word instead of the wishy-washy sand foundation of our emotions. And so today we're going to be diving into another emotion, um, and that is one of my favorites. And by favorites, I mean I hate it. It's anxiety. Um, How many of you guys know what it means to be anxious? Yeah, I hope every hand goes up because anxiety is just can be so crippling and, and so uh, relevant, especially with the pressures uh, that, that you guys are facing, uh, pressure in school, pressure in relationships. I mean, there's so many opportunities to be anxious about things. And so if we let the anxiety uh, rule our, our hearts and our minds, it can be absolutely crippling. Um, do you guys struggle with any particular anxieties? I want this to be interactive. So just shout out, uh, what, what are you anxious about right now? This part where you shout out. <laughs> I, I didn't hear that. What? Life? <laughs> nice in general. Anyone? Relationships? Social anxiety? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You guys are not anxious about anything. That's amazing. Well, we don't need a sermon today. <laughs> um, relationships? No one has any relational anxiety with their family or uh, boyfriend, girlfriend. You don't have any anxiety with school. You guys love tests, I guess. Yeah, there we go. That's the kicker. So we all struggle with anxiety. And if, if we let it rule our hearts and our minds, if we just let it sit there, it can be so crippling to us. Um, have you ever been anxious and tried to make a decision? You're like, okay, I, I could do this, but, but what if I do this? But what if I do this? And what if I do this? And you just sit there in your indecision, and, and it like eats at you, eats at your heart, eats at your soul. And so we have to learn how to do, uh, how to handle anxiety in a biblical way, or else we're going to walk through this life just being crippled up by it. Because I, I have some bad news for you. It's only going to get harder. Life only gets harder the older you get. Because right now you have anxieties with uh, your family and, and school, but... Soon you're going to be going off to college, and you'll be on your own. And those decisions you're having to make will have much more weight than the decisions you're making right now have. You're going to graduate from college, and you're going to get a job, and you're going to be making decisions for multi-million dollar companies. And then you're going to want to get married, and you have to decide, okay, should I marry this person? Should I marry this person? You can't marry both of them, so you've got to pick one. And then you're going to have kids. You have to decide how you're going to raise them, and when they're disobedient, what you're going to do. And then you have to buy a house. Like the, the decisions just get harder and harder. And so now that we're all thoroughly depressed, um, I want us to look at what it means to handle anxiety in a biblical way. Because if we're not handling it by the truth of God's word, we're just going to be tossed like a, a ship in the ocean by every wave of anxiety that comes our way. So a lot of people search for, for their peace from anxiety, 
in, in many different things. I mean, there's an infinite number of things that we could try and find peace uh, in, but uh, many people try and find their peace in relationships or um, even marriage. People try and find their peace in, in their spouse. They try and find their peace in their kids, in success, in money, in popularity, even in empty morality. Like, okay, if I just do enough good things, then I'll have peace. But those things always leave us dry. They never, they never satisfy and they never give us true peace. And it, it reminds me of one of my favorite movie heroes of all time. He, he was about to go into to the, the fight of his life. And he, he didn't know how he was going to be able to, to win this thing. And so he, he decided, okay, I'm going to take matters in my own hand. I'm not going to talk to God. I, I can do this, God. I got this. And so he takes matters into his own hands. And the consequences are interesting. Check this out. In order for you to become empowered by the ego, you must climb that cliff. Find the egg. Crack open one of them. And then swallow the yolk. So what you're saying to me is if I can eat this yolk, my moves will become the best in the whole world. Nacho decides, you know, God, God doesn't know what he's doing. Let me talk to this creepy dude in the boat and take advice from him. So he tells him, eat the eagle egg, and you'll be so powerful, no one will be able to stop you. Well, if you've seen the movie, you know that he goes on to his next fight, and he's all amped up because he thinks, I got, I got the eagle powers. And he just gets demolished, destroyed. And so he's talking to his, his buddy there afterwards, and he, he says, man, those eggs were a lie. They gave me no eagle powers. They gave me no nutrients. They didn't even give him nutrients. He, 
he found out that, that what he was seeking his, his peace and his strength from was a lie. How many of us have done that in our lives? We've looked at something and said, okay, that, that's good. That'll make me strong. That'll give me peace. And then after, after it's gone by, you, you realize, man, that was a lie. I thought it would give me peace. I thought it would give me strength, but it, it didn't do anything for me. In fact, it, it made me throw up like an eagle yoke. And so if we don't learn how to, to handle our anxiety by God's word, the only truth that we can stand on, we're going to be experiencing a, lot of, experiencing a lot of lies as we go through this life. So today, I want us to look at Psalm 91. It's one of my favorite psalms. Um, it it's, has some of the most amazing truths about uh, how we find peace in the midst of the storms of this life. And so let's just read through it together, and then we'll talk about it. Psalm 91, verse 1. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents, lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. So right off the bat here, he, he makes an amazing promise. He makes an amazing, outrageous claim. And that is that we can find rest and the eternal, infinite God of the universe. Do you realize that? Like, that's, that's an outrageous claim if you just think about it. Okay, that we finite humans can find peace and rest in this infinite God that spoke and the galaxies burst forth. But he makes a, a qualification here. He says, this isn't for everybody on the planet. This kind of life, this kind of blessing is not for everyone in this world. It's for those who live in the shelter of the Most High. And so it's first and foremost for believers, for people who are in Christ, who are saved. But it takes it a step further beyond that. It's, it's not saying this kind of a life is for those who just go to church on Sunday and, and do the right things and, and pretend like everything's cool in their life, but don't have a relationship a rich relationship with God. It's saying, no, this kind of life is for those who, who will abide in Christ, who will love him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, who will pursue him 
more than anything else. This kind of life is for, for those who abide in Christ. And so if, if living in the shelter of the Most High is the, the way that we get this kind of life, then we ought to be asking, okay, what does it mean to live in the shelter of the Most High? So just looking at the word live here, it just means to dwell, to remain, to sit, or to abide. And so if we're going to be living, dwelling, remaining, sitting, abiding in the shelter of the Most High, what does that practically look like? Well, anytime we're wanting to interpret Scripture, we want to let Scripture interpret Scripture. So we don't want to look to our culture or to our feelings or anything else. We want to let the Bible interpret the Bible. And so if you'll look at, at the word here, live in the shelter of the Most High, what does it remind you of? Well, it reminds me, first and foremost, of John 15, when Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, if you will abide in me, if you will abide in my words, you may ask for anything you wish, and I will give it to you. So if, if Jesus repeats something twice, it's pretty important. In this passage, John 15, Jesus rep repeats the word abide over 11 times. And so there's got to be something to it. There's got to be some important emphasis that, that Christ is trying to get across our path. And so the word abide uh, sounds like this hyper-spiritual term. It, it sounds like, uh, like something none of us can attain. Okay, what does it mean to abide in God. That sounds like only, only the Pope can abide in God. Well, anytime you think of the word abiding in God, abiding in Christ, and abiding in his word, I want you to just picture a turtle and its turtle shell. And so the turtle never leaves its shell. The, the turtle, anytime it's going out to get food, anytime it's going out to hang with his turtle friends, he takes his shell with him. He's never leaving it behind. Anytime there's a, a lightning storm coming or, or wild dogs try and eat him, he doesn't pop out of his shell and try and outrun the dog. No, what does he do? He just goes, boop, and pops inside of his shell, and he's completely safe. Well, it's the same thing with, with us and with Christ and his word. Anytime that we're attacked, anytime that, that the storms of this life get to be too much for us, all we do is we, boop, pop inside of God's word. We fix our mind on the word of God and let his word dictate our emotions. So in verse 1, he, he, he starts this out by uh, calling God the most high. And I think this kind of sets the stage for the rest of the psalm. This is the foundation on which the rest of these promises are built upon. The psalmist here is saying, look, I, I'm not talking about some some unknown God or, or some like faraway being that I just hope might help me or maybe give me 10 steps to a happy life. No, he's saying, look, if you will, if you will abide in the shelter of this most high one, this infinite God of the universe who breathed out the galaxies that have billions of stars in them, if you'll abide in this God who who's right now is sitting on his throne in heaven and there are millions upon millions of angels surrounding him, crying out his name, how holy he is. His face is shining like the sun. He's sitting on his throne over heaven, over earth, 
over every supposed authority on earth. If you'll abide in this most high one, you'll be okay. If you'll view God in that way, you'll be able to understand the rest of this psalm. He views God as his most high, the most high authority, the most high power in the entire universe. And that allows him to be able to say, okay, if you'll just rest in this infinite God, you're going to be okay. So that sets the stage for the entire psalm. And, and I, I love what Justin said last week about A.W. Tozer, the, the theologian. He said, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Well, this psalmist here tells us exactly what he thinks about God. And this is what allows him to have this, this kind of a view of, of God and of circumstances of anxiety. So he starts off by saying, look, this God is the most high. He sits enthroned above every other authority or God, little God, little G God on this earth. He has all power, all authority. And then he calls him the almighty one. He says you'll, you'll abide in the shadow of the almighty. He's saying, look, this, this God has infinite power. He holds all the power in the universe and he can do whatever he wants at any time he wants you'll abide in the Almighty One. Then he, he calls him the Lord. It's, it's the proper name for God, Yahweh. He's saying, look, this, this God, he's my Lord. I submit myself to him, and he is the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. But then he changes his tone. He, he starts off with, okay, he's the Most High. He's the Almighty One. He's the Lord. And then he says, then he's, he's my God. He says, he alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. I love how he personalizes it there, because he, he's not talking about some, some distant God in outer space, or he's not talking about some ancient God who, who just lives in a book. He's talking about my God. This, this God that I'm praying to is more real than the ground that I'm standing on right now. He is my God. Do you, do you see God in that way? Do you see God as the most high authority in your life? Do you see God as the almighty one who holds all power and can do anything that he wants? Do you see God as your Lord? Do you submit yourself to him and what he says about you and what he says you should do? But perhaps most importantly, do you see him as your God? Is there a personal relationship there? Because if, if all it took was having uh, a, a right view of God for us to be saved, then even, uh, even the Pharisees had a, a right theological view of God. But to the Pharisees, it was not, he's my God. And so we need to see the Lord as that personal God in our life. So this past week, I had a wonderful opportunity to get to experience some anxiety and then to get to experience being able to make the most high my shelter. So how many of you guys love the dentist? Just love the dentist. Love the dentist? That's amazing. There's a couple in there. You guys are weird. How many of you guys hate the dentist? 
Yeah, hating on the dentist. I'm sorry if any of you guys' parents are dentists. Like, they're great, but everyone doesn't like them. So I have not been to the dentist in a very long time. Uh, I won't give you any specifics, but it's somewhere between like 10 and 10 years. Uh, It's been a while, and so I went to the dentist this past week to just get a nice little checkup, to get a cleaning, and um, so they they put me on their operating table, I mean their um, uh, dentist chair, whatever it's called, and they got my mouth open, you know, like they do, and then they start like poking and prodding around, and they're like jamming stuff into my gums, they're like, well, it looks like, looks like we need to be doing a deep cleaning. And I said, okay, it's like, it's like washing a car. What is, what's a deep cleaning? They're like, oh, we just need to you know, scrape and, and, and chisel and um, you know, knock your teeth out. No, no big deal. And so I, I think, okay, it's, I, I need to get my teeth clean. That's good. It's good to have your teeth clean. And so I said, let's, let's get it over with. Let's do it. And they said, okay, well, just so you know, we're going to have to numb your mouth first. Um, just so you don't feel anything. And I said, okay, that's great. I'm thinking, okay, they're going to rub that little like lidocaine or whatever the cream is, and I just won't feel anything. Perfect. I love it. Next thing I know, the dentist pulls out this like six-inch-long needle and just goes, he starts jamming like four shots into each side of my gum. So I have like, what is that, two, four, math nerds, 12. That's not right. I have shots all in my gums, and, and as, I'm, as I'm laying there and I'm getting shot in my gums, I'm thinking, okay, okay, no, now they're stabbing my mouth. Okay, now they're stabbing my mouth. What if they go too far? What if they stab my brain? Is that even possible? What if, what if I'm allergic? If, if I'm allergic to this stuff and I swell up, my, my throat swells up, and I die, this is, this is it. This is how I go out on the dentist chair? All these thoughts are rolling through my brain, and I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. What? I, don't, I don't need my teeth. I don't need this. Get me out of here. And so the anxiety is just building, and my heart's beating fast, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, this is it. I'm dead. As I started to freak out and wig out, I remembered, oh, wait, I'm, I'm preaching on something this week. I'm going to be teaching on Psalm 91. Yes, Psalm 91. Okay. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Okay, okay. So I started praying that over and over again. I started saying, okay, those will find rest in the shadow, in the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Get them all mixed up. And so I started praying that over and over again. If I'll find rest in the Most High God, I'll be in the shadow of the Almighty. Okay, okay. And as I started praying that over and over again, I started to calm down, started to feel peace, and I no longer was freaking out about a a little needle in my mouth because I recognized, okay, right now I'm talking to the Most High God. He's the infinite creator of the universe. He sits enthroned right now in heaven, and he's here with me right now. Okay, so if this infinite one says, Kalen, your time's up, your throat's swollen up, and you die, okay, I can do that because he's in control. He's sovereign. And if he says, it's not your time to die, in fact, stop being such a weenie and just let the dentist do his thing, then I can still have peace. But as I began to focus on on Christ and focus on the truth of his word and what he promises, 
I started to experience the peace that only God can provide. Now, just so you don't think that I'm just making this up, this is not just a preacher story. I have some video evidence of my mouth being a little bit numb, so you may not be able to understand anything I'm saying. No. He who dwells in the shadow of the Most High finds rest in the shadow of the Almighty. It's true. I just had it at the dentist. I can't even talk right now. So, I told you, I was not lying. It's true. What's up? No way. Was it anxiety filled? I feel you. I feel you. So if we will live that kind of a life where we're, we're constantly focusing on God's word, on God's truth, on, on who he is instead of our circumstances, listen to what he promises will be, will be our kind of life. So Psalm 91 starting in verse 3. So if we do this, if we abide in him, rest in him, he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. So like a, a mama eagle and baby bird, that baby bird is totally safe. His faithful promises are your armor and protection do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. So he's saying here, no matter whether it's morning, afternoon, night, no matter whether it's an unforeseen circumstance or a disease or a disaster, no matter what it is, if you will rest in God, you have no reason to fear. It says, though a thousand fall at your side, Though 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. So he's saying no, no matter if everyone around you is falling away and everyone around you is dying, if you'll rest in him, he'll be with you. So it's just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, there, there's that if, big if here. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. What does the New Testament call our enemy? The devil. He calls him a roaring lion, the deceiver, the serpent of old. If you'll rest in, in the shadow of the Almighty, if you'll abide in the Most High God, you'll be able to overcome all the attacks of the enemy. Not because of your strength, but because of who you're relying on. Because you have the infinite God of the universe fighting on your behalf. Does that sound like, like a life you want to live? That sounds amazing to me. I love how how God responds in this, this psalm towards the end. So God, God responds, says, The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me 
and I will protect those who trust in my name. You know, I think a lot of people would expect this to say, I will rescue those who serve me. Or I will rescue those who obey me. I will rescue those who, who look good on the outside. Like serving God and obeying God are crucial things to our, our life as believers. But it's not of paramount importance to God. God says, look, I, I don't care about what you're doing for me. I don't care about what you think you should be doing. All I want is your heart. I want you to love me. Your father is saying, love me. It's not about your performance. It's about a relationship. So it says, I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Saying no matter what happens in your life, no matter how hard it gets or how great it feels, anywhere in between, he's saying I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Well, what's what's the longest life possible? Eternity. God's saying, look, if you will trust in me, if you will put yourself in me, then I will reward you with long life and my salvation. You know, I think we can read over that and, and think, um, you know, big deal. We read that all the time. I mean, we, we become so desensitized to these truths that, that it's like, oh, what, God, God died on a cross? Yeah, for my sins? Uh-huh. No biggie. I wrestle with that all the time. I have to constantly remind myself what this is actually saying. This is saying that the infinite king of the universe who sits surrounded by these millions of angels right now, he's saying, I want you to love me. I'm like, I'm like a speck of dirt compared to God. He's saying, I want you to love me. This is an amazing, amazing response from God here. God's saying, if you will love me, if you will rest in me, if you will abide in me like the turtle in its shell, then I will be with you. I will rescue you. I will strengthen you. So as we wrap up here this morning, what does it mean to uh, abide in Christ? What does it mean to rest in, in the shelter of the Most High? What we talked about first, it, it means to abide in Christ himself, his presence, not just some religious duty or ritual. It means to abide in the infinite king of the universe. So you have to remind yourself who your God is constantly. You have to constantly remind yourself, okay, I, I serve the living God. This is not just churchianity. This is not just a religious duty. I serve the living king over the entire universe, and one day he's coming back to get us. So remind yourself that you serve the Almighty One and your problems will become minuscule. But if you focus on your problems, you're going to forget who your God is. So focus on who your God is. Focus on his infinite power. Get to know the person of Christ. Again, it's not just duty. It's not a religion. 
This is pursuing the God of the universe because he's pursued us first. So first, we abide in Christ. Secondly, we abide in his word. Now, if, if in my dentist story, if I hadn't already been focusing on that verse this past week, I would not have uh, easily been able to recall it to my memory. But because I had spent time memorizing it, it was just right there. And so you have to spend time memorizing God's word. And it doesn't mean you need to spend eight hours a day doing it, although if you do, that's amazing. Five minutes, three minutes, heck. It doesn't take very long to just, okay, I'm going to take this one verse, and then I'll just think about it throughout the day. And then tomorrow, another few minutes, okay, what's that verse? Yep, yep, I'm going to think about it throughout the day. And over the course of the week, you've memorized the verse. And over the course of a year, you have over 50 verses memorized that you can just recall anytime you're feeling anxious, anytime you're feeling worried or fearful, you have to spend time memorizing the truth of God's word if you want to be able to apply it in your life. It will serve you infinitely more than anything else you could do with your time. And then as we're reading his word, if we don't ask the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to see it as wonderful, to see it as beautiful, to see it as what it is, we're just going to read it as a religious textbook. And so you have to ask the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, I, I don't want to read your word right now. I don't want to, but I know I need to. So would you open my eyes to see wonderful things in your word? And he'll do it. That's a prayer that he is happy and pleased to answer. So we abide in Christ. We abide in his word. Lastly, we abide in his people. You abide in other believers who, who will help you to fix your eyes on Jesus instead of your circumstances. So be in a small group. Hang out with, with each other on the weekends, after school, before school. You need God's church, his, his body of believers, to be able to live the successful Christian life, successful in God's eyes, to be able to overcome fear, overcome anxiety. We need each other. We need each other. So as we wrap up today, Dwight, you guys can head on up here. I, I want us to, to recognize that, that we have a choice here this morning. You can choose this day whom you will serve. You can choose to, to continue to do what you've done and get the results that you've gotten, or you can choose today to make a change. Choose today to spend a few minutes in God's word, getting to know him, and it'll change your life forever. <laughs>